0: Listen to me. All Let's do that hockey. Welcome to Dabra Prospects Report. This is report number 19. I'm Victor Nunez, one of the co-hosts here. And with me, Peter Harling. How you doing, Pete?
1: Victor, I am doing awesome. We are in the thralls of our listener league draft. And I am digging it. I'm having a lot of fun. How about you guys? Evan, welcome. Oh, yeah. I'm loving it, man. My draft's cooking. Dude. We're going into or, the round here. Or is it Everin? Everin. <laughs> Didn't that sound funny at the end? It did sound funny. Yeah, yeah. okay. So, you guys, your, your drafts were a few rounds ahead of mine. Let me just check in on, on my draft and see where I'm at. I'm in round three, and as a matter <laughs> of fact, it's I'm on the clock. It's my pick right now. My first two picks were Jason Robertson at 14th overall. And then Mitch Marner with the fifth pick in the second round. So I got I got a couple wingers. I'm eyeballing centers as my option for this pick here. I, th- I
0: think you should do the pick live
1: right now. Pick live. Yeah, well, I got options at the top of my queue. I've got John Tavares, who's also got left wing eligibility. So I can get like 500 faceoff wins from the wing. That's pretty tempting. Sebastian Aho, who's got really good upside. Group A Hints, who's playing with Jason Robertson, who I drafted in the first round. So I kind of like those guys just absolutely explode, and I think they could. That could be a really fun season for me. And then you, I got a generational superstar in Sidney Crosby, who's who's at my disposal. So I got some pretty tough choices between these four here. I, I might when I pick again in like eight more picks, so I might be able to get two of these guys if if I'm lucky. But I don't know. What do you guys think? I think I think I got my my sight set on a guy who I don't think will go very many more picks. Alex Ovechkin was picked just before me. So what do you guys think I should do? Let's make a live pick. Wait, list them I again. I got one vote for Aho. The other options mm-hmm. are Tavares, Crosby, and Hints.
0: Ooh, those are all good. Well, I took Tavares with three sixteen, my late yeah. third round pick, and Crosby was just a few picks later. So those guys are those guys are all right in the range. I think that I would go hints though. Man that like you said that, that line is just cooking with gas in Dallas they're they're a machine and they're going to get a ton of power play points and he does a lot of really good things so I, I don't think you can go wrong though really all those guys are good
1: right i even have the the option with the Tavares Marner possible lineup combination as well where i could be double dipping on special team points with those two guys
0: you and i picked in a similar spot and i got Ajo i think we on. all have
1: yeah i'm not uh, yeah, I'm number yeah you took aho yeah
0: I got Aho in the
1: fourth round, fifth pick. Well, that sounds like a guy who I can maybe slide on now, and I might be able to get another shot at him in the next round. I think for me, it's it's a three man race between Hints, Tavares, and Crosby, and I, I think I got to go Sid. <sighs> I know he's a little long in the tooth, but you know we got a whole prospect draft where I can I can load up on young guys, and I'm already pretty young with Robertson and Marner, so yeah, here it is. The pick is in. It's Sidney Crosby.
0: There you go. <laughs> And he didn't agree with either of our suggestions, so you can't blame us for trying to help him.
1: Yep. No, but this gives you guys uh, carte blanche to mock me if I don't win. Well, (laughs) because you took Crosby instead of the guy I told you to take. So that just lines up nicely for you boys.
0: So I was debating Clay as my co-GM. He's giving me some input too, but I I was debating Meyer and Ucharoff with 1.16. and. Would decide to go with Meyer. I just love the the Devils and and what they're doing. He's going to be a big part of that. He covers a lot of categories. And I was shocked when Kucherov came back around five picks later. So it was nice to be able to get both of them, even though we were kind of a little bit torn between the two. And then yeah. Stampos and Tavares, a couple older, still really great players. We got in the next in the next two picks. So definitely happy to take those older high producers, and we'll we'll fill out the rest of the of the positions later. Right?
1: And you want to win in the you want to win in the first year. And like I said, you got the prospect draft where you can you worry about the future then. You worry about the present in the in the first five rounds.
0: Yep. It's gonna be fun though. There's definitely a lot of a lot of smart people here. Not all the players you want are making it back to you, that's for sure. So that's a sign of a good league. Oh yeah. Well, it's gonna be fun to track this, and we'll we'll definitely circle back to these when we're a little farther along. But we should mention in today's report, we're gonna talk about fantasy ranking the twenty twenty-three NHL. Entry Draft Prospects, and we have a special guest, Hadi Kalaketch, our Director of North American Scouting at Dauber Prospects. Before we get started, I want to remind you that Dauber Prospects Report is a member of the Hockey Podcast Network. We're excited to be part of the Army of Fantastic Hockey Podcast. Please check out at HockeyPodNet for all the shows like this one, talking hockey from fantasy to team coverage to you name it. You can also use the DraftKings promo code THPN for listening to the show. More on that in a bit. We should also mention that DPR is proudly sponsored by Fantrax. Fantrax is the ultimate league manager for all Dynasty sports you play in. It's completely customizable however you want to set up your league. From scoring categories, an amazing draft room to host the draft like we're doing right now with our current drafts, draft pick trading, treasure option, and so much more. Use the promo code to sign up for a free league using the link fantrax.com forward slash DPR show.
1: Speaking of Fantrax, Victor, I think maybe it would be a good idea if we did an episode where we we kind of did like a tutorial on Fantrax and some of the amazing features that they have on there, where we could for people who are not as as in deep and in, in multiple multiple dynasty leagues like you and I are, or maybe are are using Yahoo or or office pools or some other form of managing their pool and just aren't familiar with Fantrax might be a good way to lure them in and to see the light and and use the the site that you got to use if you're in it you're in a dynasty league it's fan tracks or nothing am i right
0: oh for sure i mean if you're doing a dynasty league on yahoo or espn or anywhere else you're doing it the hard way It's yeah. way 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 more difficult to do like you got to keep track on separate spreadsheets and I've, I've seen it i've seen it done it's a nightmare fan tracks just makes it so much easier, so yeah, I think that'd be a good idea. There's also a whole bunch of fun tricks like we set up in this league where we're doing the entire draft yeah. together, but we're flipping eligibility of pros and prospects, so you don't have to have two separate drafts. So we can we can talk about all those kinds of things. That sounds like a great idea, Pete. Well, let's do it.
1: We're gonna welcome our, our guest on to the episode, and that's none other than dauber Prospects, director of North American Scouting, Hattie Calakashia. Hattie, how's it going, buddy?
2: doing good How are you
1: doing all right doing all right the uh, the prospect season never ends huh it's just there's <laughs> tournaments there's all kinds of things just it kind of you don't really get a break with the prospects like you do with the nhl do you
2: yeah no you get like a week and then the helinka greski cup is on and you have to watch that and then it's a the whole thing and yeah no but it it's just it's when when you love what you do and when you love just delving into an 18 year old's game and saying how he sucks at something. I mean, it's just, it's, it's the type of thing where you, you, you eventually learn to kind of nitpick better. And the more time you spend doing this, the better you get at it. So I'm, I'm really happy that scouting has worked out for me as well as it has. And I'm just looking forward to what's coming in the future. Yep. And
1: yeah, I'm, I'm excited for the 2024 class as well, but mm-hmm. today we're going to, we're going to look back one more time on 2023. Cause there's a lot of prospect drops that are, that are happening like right now or, or are coming up in the, in the near future. So yeah, I figured this was a, a timely episode to, to talk about. And we talk about that a lot on this podcast is, is how prospects value in fantasy hockey from the entry draft mm-hmm. can be impacted by wow. where they were selected, what team that drafted them, what their opportunity is within that organization, can it speed up or slow down their trajectory to the NHL? Does it have an impact on their upside? And of course, players can get traded and whatnot, but we'll work with the knowns and what we have. and then a lot of people will use the entry draft results for their their pick list and they'll just pick guys right off whoever's next in in the list for the order they were drafted in. Mm-hmm. and that can be perilous. that can be fraught with with errors and mistakes where you can draft guys who have bottom six roles or bottom pairing defensemen and you're picking them in the first round. And there's reason why NHL teams want to do that. There's value for them there, but not so much for fantasy. So so let's start off with that. And we'll we'll rate off the top, talk Connor Dart. He was picked number one. He's being drafted on average and and fantasy mock drafts and whatnot, a number one overall. Yeah. So no complaints with that, I don't think. I'm kind of rather of the opinion that his fantasy stock is is unchanged by the fact that he was drafted by Chicago. I don't really think it moves the needle for me because if he was drafted by a really good team, I think his role would be reduced although he'd be playing with better players and insulated against lesser quality of competition. I'm not sure he would get the roles in the minutes that would help him generate about the 80-point projection that I have going for him. Yeah. And In Chicago, I think he's got diminished line mates, but an enhanced role is the keys to the castle, buddy. It's all yours. Let's see what you got. What's your take on on Bedard and, and his immediate upside? Because I think we all know the long term is fantastic.
2: Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, I mean, we're talking about an organization that doesn't have as much of the center depth that it used to, especially now with with Taves uh, out long term and stuff like that. I mean, we're talking about a player who has, like you said, the keys to the castle. It's 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 his team now. And I'd be extremely surprised if Conor Bedard isn't playing first line minutes by maybe game 25 or 30 of the season. And from then on in, it's just a matter of how many points he racks up. And I compare it a lot to Connor McDavid's situation. when He was drafted in 2015 and, and how he joined the Oilers. Pretty much immediately was, was put into the limelight and, and allowed to just play his game and, and dictate what his teammates were going to do. And with Connor Bernard, I feel like you're going to see a very similar situation where he's going to be playing for assigned minutes and very quickly off the bat. And I'd be very surprised if we don't see a point per game player from year one. He's got the qualities. Every single quality you look for in a generational talent, he's got it. So for me, he's a type of player who's constantly adapted perfectly to his environment, constantly adapted to the way that he's being played against. He got triple teamed, quadruple teamed in the playoffs in the WHL and near the end of the season and at the World Juniors. And every time he found a different way to play the game that would allow him to contribute to the maximum extent. And I don't think that's going anywhere once he reaches the NHL. So. I wouldn't worry at all about picking him at first overall being picked by Chicago does not change that at all. On the contrary, I'd say that if he was picked by a team that already has a legitimate first line center, he might have spent the entire year on the second line, Um, and that would affect his stock a bit. But given the fact that there's quite literally no one in Chicago that can contend with him, we're good. Pick him at first if you have him.
0: Hard to go wrong, right? Absolutely. So we actually have some fantasy ADP numbers that we can quote here, something that we're doing over at Fantasy Hockey Life. And if you want to contribute to that, you can send your rookie drafts over to me at my email and my Twitter X bio. But the next guy we're going to talk about, Leo Carlson, Anaheim. Second overall, it was a bit surprising. I think they probably had a little bit of a decision there, probably went back and forth trying to figure out what fit best for them. Second overall and the real nhl he's been going an average of four in fantasy drafts so just a couple of spots later not not a huge deal he's pretty nhl ready but the ducks don't really need to rush him based on the state of their team and it it sounds like he's going to be playing in sweden this season i wouldn't be surprised if he gets a decent run in the nhl this spring though how do you how do you see carlson fitting in with anaheim and sort of his projection there do you think that helps him at all does it affect it negatively in any way
2: well, the thing is, it depends on how he develops, especially because you're looking at a team with already Trevor Zegras and Mason McTavish in the system in terms of high end of centers and, and the prospect pool. So you're looking at a team that already has some elements in their team that could become that first line C. So it's just a matter of how well does Leo Carlson develop in his final year in Sweden? How much does he add to his arsenal? Because in Carlson... The difference between Carlson and Fantilli, I feel like it's flipped around. A lot of people think that Fantilli is the safer bet because he's that big power forward kind of style of player with what's considered a more projectable kind of game. But I look at Leo Carlson and see the safer player there. For me, Adam Fantilli has the potential to become one of the best power forwards in the NHL, the potential to become a high-end playmaker, an elite goal scorer, the type of guy who could put you 100 points in the back of the net fairly easily at season. And in Carlson, you're getting a player who... Has a lot more finesse to his game, a lot more intricacies to his game in terms of te- kind of technical abilities, but less raw power. So it's just a matter of how much you value that. I think I, th- I would have been fine with Leo Carlson at two if I'm the Ducks, because you know you're looking at Mason McTavish, you've got a high end power forward kind of kind of center who can play that role. So for me, is is, is it it's all about whether or not Leo Carlson exceeds Mason McTavish and Trevor Zegras' potential. Is one of those guys going to play on the wing. You're not playing either one of Carlson, Fantilli or, sorry, Carlson, Zegras, or McTavish on the third line. That's just not happening. I'm assuming Zegras moves to the wing. At that point, this, the, the competition becomes between McTavish and Carlson. And I think that Carlson has definitely the potential and also the certainty of reaching McTavish and exceeding his abilities. I'd be very, very surprised if he doesn't become a better player than McTavish long term. So I wouldn't worry about picking Leo Carlson at around three or four. I still think Adam Fantilli has more upside and is a better bet at second overall and then i'd say carlson is in contention with matvey michkov but at the end of the day this is still a fantastic pick and it's nowhere near a consolation prize it's a fantastic pickup at four if you have all
1: right you mentioned adam
2: fantilly who was the third
1: overall pick to columbus and his fantasy adp is is second so yeah. moves up a little bit in fantasy drafts. so the fancy people like fantilly more than carlson Mm-hmm. And I wonder if that's to do with his fit in Columbus, because I actually like this fit. I like yeah. it a lot. I think his value there will be significant. He can be flanked by either Patrick Line or Johnny Goudreau or both. <laughs> and the competition for first line center in Columbus, like it isn't too overwhelming. It's Boone Jenner and, and some other guys. Yeah. Not really great. I don't think he's a, a Calder favorite for me, but I think like a 50 point rookie season is not unrealistic. How good can Fantilli
2: be and, and how soon can he realize that? Like I said before, I think he has 100 point potential. It's just a matter of how yeah. quickly he reaches that, right? I mean, you're looking at a guy who has the frame, has the forechecking skill and technical abilities and has the, the chaotic elements to his game to just wreak havoc in the offensive zone. He's one of the best forecheckers I've ever seen. I, I compare him often to what we saw from Uriah Slavkovsky in his draft year. Uriah Slavkovsky... Is a better puck protector, maybe, but Fantilli is a better four-checker. He's got more pace, more, more fluidity to his skating as well. And the playmaking and finishing touches are out of this world. They're really good. In any other draft year, Fantilli would have been a first overall pick. But this year we had Connor Bernard. So that's just out of the question. For me, I mean, you you look at a guy like Adam Fantilli, and you can so clearly see a pathway to a top six. I I think his floor is a second line center, a high-end second line center. So it's just a matter of how much he builds off of that. And I think that given everything we've seen from him at the college level, we're talking Jack Eichel level numbers. And I feel like Jack Eichel is a very decent comparable in terms of a guy who protects pucks really well, who can skate very fluidly, who connects, plays really well, who finds open space and uses his shot really well. I think that's a great comparable in terms of a ceiling, in terms of upside. So at second overall, if it's not Fantilli, it's Mishkov. But between those two, if you're looking for certainty, if you're looking for a guy who's going to play center, especially in multi-cat leagues that are more focused on stats like face-offs and, and hits and block shots and all that stuff, I'd say Fantilli is definitely your bet.
0: I don't know, though, if you're going for pure upside, Matt Vay-Mitchkoff, he's been going an average of three in our drafts with, with in the, ADP, the fantasy ADP with Fantilli number two. And he went seventh overall to Philly. For my money, I, I feel like his upside is, is close to Bedard's, and that's pretty good value for someone who went so late. Yeah, It seems that this is the dawn of a new era in Philly with the high skill, not just looking for tough guys. And it seems like he dictated a little bit that he wanted to go there, which I'm frankly fine with. I think players should have a little bit of say with that. And it seems like the timeline of the Philly sort of retool rebuild is going to fit nicely when he's ready to come over. So I feel like, especially in contract leagues, you're going to get a guy that has massive production on that entry-level contract. That's going to be that's going to be pretty sweet. So tell us how you think the fit there is for Mishkov and Philly.
2: It's a great fit, and I love the change of philosophy. I think that is something that's going to benefit the Flyers long-term, e- even though they picked Oliver Bonk in the late round. But that's, that's beside the point. I think Mishkov is definitely the type of player who you can build a franchise around if you develop him properly. In terms of just scoring instinct, in terms of just the ability to flare danger, I've, I've never seen a prospect with this level of, of, of just pure instinct for goal. 6 feet around the net there's no more no one in this draft more lethal than than Matthew Mishkov and that's including Connor Bedard. Bedard's a fantastic rush scorer, he's a fantastic scorer from mid to long range. He's got the best shot in the draft, but Matvey Mishkov has this uncanny ability to just find little pockets of space around the net and just squeeze pucks through goaltenders constantly and consistently. And the fact that he was avail- available at 7th overall just if you if you listen to the GMs of other teams that went that, that picked before him, like Montreal, like other teams like that. And you listen to the things they had to say about why they didn't pick Michkov. It was very much centered around uncertainty. We don't know what's going on. We're not sure. I mean, Florida, Philadelphia has the luxury of being, being able to take that risk. And I'm so glad they did because Mishkov has the potential to rival Bedard in terms of, of point production. There's ways to go. I still think his decision making needs to improve. I still think that you're never going to get anything defensively out of Matri Mishkov. It's just not his game. Nothing he does get puts him in situations where he can even explore that area of his game. But offensively, he's just dynamite. Especially if you if you can find him a teammate that's constantly able to find his 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 linemates on the ice. Mishkov's just gonna just gonna hover around six feet around the net and just shove pucks in from everywhere. Score lacrosse moves. He's got that level of talent. So I'm really excited to see what happens once 2026, 27 rolls around.
1: Zach Benson is a player who went 13th overall to Buffalo. His fantasy ADP is sixth overall. So he's still within the top 10 of fantasy drafts. He was outside of that in Nashville at the draft. Overall, I think he's a player that they can outplay his position, but it's going to take some time. I think patience are required here. Buffalo's got a lot of prospects. They got good depth coming down the pipe. And Benson's got two more years of junior to play. But the upside in, say, seven years may land him inside the top five of this
2: draft class in redrafts. What do you think of Benson's upside in ETA? ETA, I'd say it's closer than you think. Zach Benson is the best playmaker in the 2023 NHL draft. And I'm, I'm including Connor Bedard, Matt Vamishkov, Adam Fantilli, Leo Carlson in that conversation. He is the best playmaker in the draft. He connects plays at a level and with a consistency that I've very rarely seen outside of, the, outside of the first overall conversation. I'm talking Jack Hughes' level of connectivity, of understanding of his teammates' positions. Literally every line he played on at every level, World Juniors, U18s, with the Winnipeg Ice, everywhere he's played, the 89 he plays on is the first line because of how good he is at elevating his teammates' skill sets. He's excellent defensively. The, one of the best work rates in the draft. He's got a decent shot as well. I I, just, I have a lot of trouble naming you something in his game that needs to come two, three, four steps before we see him in the NHL. I'm more worried about a guy, about a guy like Quentin Musty. I think Quentin Musty's ETA is a lot longer than Zach Benson's. Even though Zach Benson is 5'10", 180 pounds, 170 pounds, and Quentin Musty's 6'3", 205, I still think that Zach Benson is closer to the NHL because his, his play style is so projectable. I'm not really too concerned about him getting out-muscled because he plays between checks so well. Everything about his game is just tailored perfectly around his two weaknesses, which are his lack of size and his lack of speed. He outthinks everyone on the ice. He plays three, four, five steps ahead of everyone. So he doesn't need to be the fastest. He doesn't need to be the strongest because he's always making the right plays. Whenever I lose Zach Benson on the ice, I just ask myself, what's the best spot that a player could be on the ice right now? And he's right there. So I'm really not concerned about his game. I think that he's going to be a fantastic player at the NHL level. Light the lamp with DraftKings Sportsbook. Right now,
1: new customers can make a $5 bet and score $150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with code
0: THPN. That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. The next guy is Gabe Perot. So he went 23rd overall to the New York Rangers. His fantasy ADP has been 12, and he had that amazing season with the USN TDP with Will Smith and Ryan Leonard, even though maybe he wasn't the primary driver, but he certainly was an important part of that line. Hadi, I'm a bit concerned him going to the Rangers. They have a really poor track record of prospect development. It seems like some of the guys there have developed in spite of their help and and not because of their development. Guys like Andrew Miller and Philip Hedel. So does that concern you at all? Or is Perot just so good? And and he is going to Boston College where he has a little bit of time and, and help from the good program there to help him along, right?
2: Yeah, I, I am a bit concerned. Now, the good thing with with Perot is that he's going to be playing with the same linemates he was playing on all year this year with the with the NTDP and Ryan Leonard and and Will Smith. That's gonna stay aligned at least for next year. That's gonna help him kind of develop his game and, and work on some things. I am concerned though about Pro becoming a one-trick pony because he's got some of the best vision and playmaking I've ever seen in a prospect. It's just outside of that, first, because of the line he's playing on with Smith and, and Leonard, he's not really getting much opportunities to explore different areas of, of his game and improve them. But also, it's it's also just accentuating what's, what he's already good at, right? So we could see Pro become a specialist on a second line in terms of just airing him with a really good goal scorer and letting him go at it. I'm thinking of Brennan Hoffman and think I'm seeing a great kind of match there. But like you mentioned, the Rangers don't, they don't seem really good at identifying their their, their prospects' development objectives and what exactly they need to work on to improve. And the thing with pro is that his development objectives are so precise and specific that I think that any deviation from working on exactly what he needs to work on and exactly the way you need to work on it is going to lead to him not really panning out the way that he should. Pro is a very high-risk prospect. Either he makes it in a top-six role, and he's an excellent playmaker with, with some of the best vision and hands in the draft, or he just doesn't work in the NHL because he doesn't have the pace of play. He doesn't have the, the skating speed. He doesn't have the inside game, the lateral mobility, the evade the evasive kind of elements to his game in order to compensate for the fact that He's going to be working with less and less space as he climbs the ranks, so I'm a bit concerned. I'd say in Pro's in Pro side, and to hear the ADP be at 12 does raise some flags with me. I would say that that's fairly high, even in a points only draft. I'd say there's a lot more risk than than we see I with Perot, especially with him going to New York.
1: Uh, another guy whose stock in fantasy is way higher than it was in the draft board is Andrew Cristal. He went yep. 40th overall to Washington, and his fantasy ADP is as high as 18, which is a big jump. Mm-hmm. He's got really high end puck skills and hockey sense. He's a little undersized, skating is concerned. Those so those two reasons may have factored in in his lower NHL draft position. Are these concerns overrated, or are they pretty legit?
2: The thing is with Kristall is that it's his lack of size that makes his skating concerning him because his skating in a vacuum is better than a lot of prospects that were drafted before him. I'm thinking of Daniil Boot. I'm thinking of Charlie Stramel, a bunch of guys who were picked before him, Matthew Wood especially. I think Matthew Wood has one of the worst skating strides I've seen in this draft class and he was drafted well into the first round. So you look at Andrew Cristal and it's just the combination of lack of size and average skating, as well as especially the inconsistencies in this game that are making him a bit more of a concern and that led to him dropping. But I had him, I believe, 11th or 12th overall in my personal rankings. My final, my final draft board. So I'm a huge, huge fan of what he brings to the game. And having watched a lot of Kelowna, I can tell you that outside of Andy Crystal and maybe Gabriel Sturk, there wasn't much help offensively on that team. So whenever Andrew Crystal was having a stinker, was having a bad game, he was standing out like a sore thumb because the entire team just would crumble around that. He was in so many offensive scenarios. He was playing on every... He was playing maybe a minute and a half or a minute 45 every power play. He was playing a minute and 15 shifts and, and stuff like that. So it, it was tough for him when he was having a bad game to to kind of bounce back from his bad shift because he was back on the ice in 15, 20 seconds and was just exhausted. So it's really difficult to build positive momentum. Once you have a bad shift, they just compound because you're you're back on the ice and you're tired and you're still thinking of the mistakes you just made. Right. So. I would say that Grissel was drafted way lower than his potential could be because he has the potential to be a top 10, maybe even top five scorer out of this draft. He's got the hands, he's got the skill, he's got one of the best shots in the draft, and he's a great playmaker as well. His puck skills across the board are fantastic. So it's just a matter of how do you elevate that skill set, make him a bit of a better skater, and work on his endurance and stamina so that he's able to face more scenarios overall in a game that are positive.
0: This the next guy we're gonna talk about, Riley Height. He went 64th overall to Minnesota and his fantasy ADP is 27. He's the biggest riser of anyone taking fantasy drafts in the top 32. So that's pretty pretty good to know for him. If you're thinking you can wait on height, you might not be able to. Mm-hmm. And definitely one of the biggest fallers from where people thought he could go in the first round, and, and definitely fell quite a bit. And Minnesota grabbed him at 64, because of course they did, because they grab all the best prospects. And I I love him going to Minnesota. I think they have such a good system there. He's not, he's not necessarily like the, their only top prospect kind of thing. There's, there's a lot of other guys there, so there won't be as much focus on him. He can really develop and flourish. What is your take on height in Minnesota, Hadi?
2: I really like the combination of tenacity and nastiness and also the playmaking still that he brings to the game. He reminds me a lot of a a Yanni Gord, but with better playmaking, just the the intensity and and kind of mean streak that it brings to the game. You'll see him often kind of throw cheap shots between whistles and get under opponent's skin and chirp the heck out of the bench. And on top of that, his ability to connect with his teammates, to, to make soft area passes to the right spots, to compete for loose pucks. And even a shot, I mean, his shot went underrated the entire year because he was basically glued to, to cohen Zimmer's hip and cohen Zimmer's just a pure goal scoring forward, right? So he didn't get to showcase his shot all that much, but when he did get the puck, when he, get, when he did shoot the puck, it really you could really tell that there's a lot of velocity, a lot of accuracy and a decent amount of deceptiveness to his release. So he's been pegged into this kind of pure playmaking kind of, kind of role, but he can definitely develop into a, a dual threat score. I think that height has a lot more potential than meets the eye. I just think that his defensive game isn't on par with some of the guys that play his type of role, that play with that mean streak and that nastiness. I'd be surprised if he becomes kind of a regular penalty, penalty killing specialist. But if you've got him on your second power play, especially with the, the, the depth that Minnesota has in their sips, on their system, I think you're well set with a guy like that as your second line center or third line center with, with playing on your power play too. That's a great setup for him next guy I want to talk about is another Chicago Blackhawks draft pick, and he went
1: 67th overall. That's Nick Lardis, and his fantasy ADP is at 40. So not that not that significant a gap, but he still went a lot high. He's going a lot higher in fantasy. Mm-hmm. He really exploded in a larger role after a trade from Peterborough to Hamilton last season. Yeah, And I'm thinking that this is a player that could have a really big year and his full full time first year in Hamilton or brantford i think they moved to yeah they're the brantford bulldogs now yeah right so his stock his fantasy stock could get a pretty significant boost as a result of having a a breakout season yeah and also then there's the potential in the future they could possibly be playing with conor bedard which is kind
2: of tempting too what's your take on lardis lardis i'd say the way he plays is very particular he's not the type of guy to to really finesse his way around around the ice he's he's trying to kind of accelerate every every puck that gets on a stick which is decent in some elements but you do need a player to be able to slow down the, the pace of play to, to cut inside to find soft dice to delay to absorb pressure especially if he's going to be playing center long term i think that he's got an opportunity to develop those elements in the ohl long term but it'll take him a long while outside of that i mean you're looking at a really really good score he's got a fantastic shot he's able to release it very quickly. He's got the short the short extension to his release that really doesn't give away where he's shooting, which really helps him in terms of just fooling goaltenders from in tight, from mid-range, even long-range, he's able to get those shots off really quickly and and get open. So yeah, we're talking about a player who's going to probably specialize into goal scoring, a player who, in terms of a ceiling, I'd say maybe score 25, 30 goals a, a year at the NHL level, but I'm not a huge, huge fan of his playmaking game. There were some flashes, but it's really inconsistent. He does have some great hands, though, which is promising. And his intensity does give well in the defensive zone. The same effort he he puts into accelerating plays offensively, he puts into back checking and getting back on time, lifting sticks from behind, all that stuff. So I'm really excited to see what he does in Brantford. It's going to be pretty fun to keep a look at, at him. But you're mainly talking about a guy who... Terms of upside, you're looking at 25, 30 goals. It's just a matter of how much you value that in your league. And maybe potentially you're looking at a guy who's going to be playing second special team units, both on the power play and the penalty kill. So, yeah, I mean, 40 is about right, I'd say, given that kind of prognostic and that kind of upside.
0: Well, the next guy we're going to talk about, I know, is one of your personal favorites, and that's Jaden
2: Perron. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, he's a 94th overall to Carolina, fantasy ADP at 33. So, definitely a big riser. I mentioned height as a higher riser, but that's just because he was just inside the top thirty-two. But Perron, huge, huge riser. And of course, when he started sliding past the second round, we all kind of just knew Carolina was going to take him. That was kind of a joke. Yeah. We were all saying there, like, yeah, it's going to be Carolina, right? And of course they walk up and take him. But yeah, of course he slid because he's a bit of a smaller guy, five, nine hundred and sixty-five pounds. But tell us why that isn't much of a concern for you.
2: I have a lot of trouble naming a weakness in, in Jaden Perron's game. Maybe his top speed, but he really, I mean, I looked at his game for starters. At, at the first time I watched him, I mainly watched more of his offensive shifts, more of the shifts in the offensive zone, and you could immediately tell that he had some fantastic hands. His stick handling is amazing. He's got an unlocked top arm. He's able to maneuver really quickly and accurately through pressure. So I thought, oh, okay, we've got a, a high octane offensive small winger. I love those. And then I watched some of his defensive zone shifts and I was like, holy crap, this guy's really good in his own zone, really aware, able to to just jump into lanes really quickly. He's got a lot of intensity to him as well. So I'm quite surprised he slipped in the nineties and obviously not surprised Carolina picked him up as, as, as they often do with the prospects I like, but yeah, no, I'm really excited to see how he develops. The Chicago steel have always been really good at making small players really, really good and really projectable. And, teaching them the adaptive tools to get over their lack of size. Braun's first three steps, he can get away from anyone. It's just a matter of those more long-term races where he's chasing after loose bucks, gets a bit tough. So it's just a matter of how much he develops that, adds some strength to his, to his lower body, to his core. But in terms of the skill set and what he brings to the game, and especially the way he reads it, it's I have no, no notes at all. He's a really good prospect. There was a reason he wasn't my top 15, even though he slipped into the 90s. I really like this prospect.
1: Let's talk about another Carolina prospect, and that is Alexander Rykov. So mm-hmm. he went 100th overall to Carolina, and his fantasy ADP is right on par, 109. Yeah. At the draft, I spoke with Carolina scout Yoki Nevillein and he and the team were really excited about Rykov. They think he's got some very high potential. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good enough for me. So I'm going to be looking to draft him well above the 100, the 100 range. So I'll be yeah. moving the needle on that ADP, I think, and getting it into the into the nineties. What's your take on Rykov? Is is he a guy that you want to draft sooner than a hundred?
2: Yeah, I would say he's kind of a Jaden Prawn light in terms of what I see from him. Really, really good defensively, but I'd say that the skill set, I mean, he doesn't have the hands of a Jaden Prawn. He doesn't have the release of a Jaden Prawn. I see him more as a guy who at his best will be a really good defensive kind of third line center. But if can have a line and likes as much as it likes him as much as he does, it's making me want to go back and watch some tape. I I know that Yoke has very accurate assessments of players and if he sees upside that i don't i definitely want to go back and watch the tape of rykov because i saw him more as a defensive specialist with decent but not overwhelming offensive potential and this is making me <laughs> second-guess things oh it's always good to
0: second guess question your opinions and go back Absolutely. and do some more research so definitely sign kind of a smart scout right there let's flip the table a little bit and talk about some of the players who you might want to actually fade a little bit in your draft that maybe went a little bit earlier. Most of the guys we talked about, except for Rykoff, went much earlier than expected. And the first one is everybody's favorite prospect to bag on because the Montreal Canadiens took David Reinbacker fifth and not yeah. of any fault of his own. He's just trying to be the best defenseman he can be. Mm-hmm. And the big Austrian it was a bit of a surprise for a lot of people, I guess. There, was, A lot of people thought he was one of the best defensemen in the draft. I think mm-hmm. there was more the thought that why did the Canadians need another big right shot defenseman? But we'll let you weigh in on that in a second. But it seems like the, the hate has definitely gone way too far here. I think that he's a very solid defenseman. Maybe there isn't a ton of fantasy upside. He's been going 10th overall which I think a lot of people are just looking at and saying, this guy went fifth overall. We we can't we can't let him go too far, right? So I just took him in a draft at, at 18 because you can't let him fall too far. I mean, that's yeah. kind of crazy. But uh, putting all that aside, how do you think Rambacher fits into this Canadian's prospect pool and how you think he'll develop in that system?
2: Yeah, I mean, for me, outside of Logan Mayu, who I'm not really convinced is going to become a quality nhl the Habs don't really have any right-handed defensemen to speak of that are of quality. Reinbacher really just immediately becomes their first option at right D long term. That's good for Reinbacher. That's good for the fact that he's most likely going to see first pair minutes eventually, especially given what we've seen from him and Lane Hudson as a pair and in rookie camp and Montreal, that just it was immediate sparks. Lane Hudson's ability to find players anywhere and Reinbacher's constant attempts to pinch offensively in the offensive zone. Really, really worked together, and they both created some really decent offensive chances off each other. So, I wouldn't be surprised if that becomes a HAB's first pair in, in five, ten years. I'm not convinced that David Reinbacher is a bona fide number one defenseman in terms of upside. i What you saw a lot from Reinbacher and the reason why he got so many points in the Swiss National League is because the Swiss National League is a league that plays a lot more like chess versus the kind of dogfight elements that we see in the NHL, where it's high, high pace, high speed, you have to make reactions very quickly. It's a lot more tactical in the Swiss National League, and there's a lot of collapsing structures. So Reimbacher, being as good a skater as he was, was able to circle the ice eight times and then take a shot on net, and that would work, right? Is that going to work at the NHL? Definitely not. There's going to be an adaptation that's required in his playing style. But I compare, the comparable I have for Reimbacher is a better skating Chris Tanov. And if you know how much of a fan I am of analytics, and if you know how much of a fan I am of Chris Tanev as a result, that's a really good compliment. That's a very good number two, number three, number four defenseman, almost definitely a second pair guy on any contending proper good team, but still a very, very good player to have on your team in terms of the overall output of his game, what he brings to the the ice. So I'd say Rheinbacher, I had him ranked around 15, 16 in my my final rankings, and anywhere below that is really decent value for picking him up. I would only let him slip into the 20s. I think that's too far.
1: All right, another player I wanted to pick your brain on is ninth overall selection, Nate Danielson to the Detroit Red Wings. His fantasy ADP is pretty close to that. It's 13, but he wasn't really a top 10 pick on pretty much anybody's rankings, I don't think. And yeah. it's not out of character for Iserman and the Red Wings to not pay any attention to that and get their yeah. sights set on the guy and draft. And it worked out really well for them when they drafted Mo Sider a few years ago. And Marco so, Gasper, yeah. There you go. So you kind of got to give the benefit of the doubt to the Red Wings here. But so what is it that we're missing? Is this is this a top six player or is he got a bottom
2: six ceiling? I'm never going to speak against Iserman. Right. I I know he knows what he's doing very clearly. I just have such a hard time seeing the the top six potential with 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 Nate Danielson. I so clearly see a third line pure shutdown center who's going to be able to just single-handedly neutralize opposing kind of complementary structures, right? But outside of that, it's just, I don't really see the playmaking elements. I don't see the high-end manipulation or intelligence or or advanced creativity that I see with other guys that were drafted after Danielson. A guy like Oliver Moore, for me, I I could see Oliver Moore becoming a top six piece. With Nate Danielson, even though they're quite similar in terms of their defensive output, Nate Danielson, for me, I, I just... He doesn't really contribute as much on transitions. He doesn't really contribute as much in the offensive zone and, and cycles. He's just really good at finding space and, and neutralizing space on, on the opposing side. But like I said, Steve Eisenman knows what he's doing, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to sound absolutely ridiculous in three years for this take. So I'll, I'll, just, let it, I'll just let it kind of develop as it is, and we'll, we'll come back to this in three years and, and hear how ridiculous I sound here. So yeah, we'll see. Yeah, you, me, and everybody else. <laughs> exactly
0: I, I definitely remember giving him some grief about the most hider pick and uh, yeah that has a whole lot of egg on my face now mm-hmm. which I, I found i know that there's not i know that there's some similarities and dissimilarities but i i found some rhymes with the reinbacher take german speaking defenseman big good skating that was taken earlier than everybody thought so i still yeah i still think that there's potential for that to mm-hmm. turn out really well montreal fans so <laughs>
2: we'll see.
0: We'll see. All right, let's move on to the next guy, though. Danil Boot, both mm-hmm. overall to Arizona. His fantasy ADP is 20, so not too different, but eight spots later in fantasy drafts, the big Russian was, it seems like that was the side, that was what they were going for, right? Arizona was getting all the, the biggest dudes, it seems like they, they possibly could have, with Simashev and Harabal. Yeah. And then, but it also seems like there's a, a ways for him to go. He's played some KHL games this season. He'll probably split between KHL, maybe even VHL, MHL this season. We'll have to see about that. I'm really interested to see how he uses his frame moving forward because that hasn't been a big asset for him as much as he could. And also how he fits into this prospect pool, which is definitely, well, obviously with Logan Cooley, it's pretty great, but there are some other decent depth pieces there too. So what do you think of Boot in the desert and in terms of his overall potential?
2: They they clearly value size given the ads that they've they've brought in. I, I think that they're going to look at Daniel Boot and, and try their best to make him work. I'd say that Arizona is a great landing spot for any prospect because you don't have much competition for an NHL role. But I mean, in Daniel Boot, I have a lot of concerns. I had him in my early to mid second round, and it was mainly because I never saw the same Daniel Boot in any given two games. One game, he looks like a, a playmaking guy with size, but not no physicality at all. The next game, he's sniping goals. But you never got the same Daniel Boot twice. And just that lack of consistency, both in terms of the playing style itself, but also the performances themselves. He was having great games, followed by some of the most horrible tape I've seen. So I'm just, it's very hard to wrap my head around exactly what Daniel Boot is. And I'd be very, very surprised if the Arizona Coyotes have any more of an idea than me. I've watched a good dozen games of his just to get a good idea of what we're looking at here in terms of a prospect. And I'm, I'm still confused. Uh, one thing that's consistent is I've seen him get bodied regularly by five foot 10 defensemen in the MHL, which is not a good sign when you're six foot five. It's just not. So I'm curious to see where that goes. I think 12 is more than rich. I think it's just, it's, it's not rich, it's decadent. But we'll see where that goes. It'll be interesting to see how that develops. I'm, I'm, I'm a skeptic, though, and I'm hoping to, pro- be, to be proven wrong because a guy with his frame and his skill set would be very, very fun. He's just a very fun player to watch.
1: Uh, The last guy I got here is Charlie Strammel. He went 21st overall. Minnesota Wild selected him. His fantasy ADP is 41st overall. So Strammel's a player that's been on scout radar for a few years, and he had a bit of a disappointing draft season. But Wisconsin, from all accounts, was a bit of a train wreck. I I give him some leash as a result of that, but, you know, you're less forgiving. What's your concern with Charlie Strammel? And why do you think he's a reach in the 20s? Or is he just a really good NHL pick and not a good fantasy player?
2: I just, it's a bit of both. I think that Charlie Strammel has a pathway to a bottom six. That's pretty clear. He's going to be able to develop the tools around his size in order to use it better. I'm not convinced by the skating stride. I've had very, very mixed bag reviews in terms of, of a skating stride, both in terms of my viewings and, and scouts I've talked to some love a skating stride and think that it can be developed into a strength and some with which I'm a bit more aligned, see it as a clear weakness and something that's going to be a definite concern as he develops. Not the most elusive, not the most shifty. And usually you don't need it at that size, which is why I'm, I'm a fan of, of Matthew Wood, even though Matthew Wood has a worse skating stride than Charlie Stremel. I think that Wood plays in a way that compensates for his lack of skating speed and agility really well, whereas Strammel doesn't. He plays like a guy who skates like the wind, who skates like the wind, but he just doesn't. So the playing style and the way that he skates don't match up really well. And that disconnect is really concerning to me. It's the same concern I, I had a bit with Will Smith as well. Will Smith plays like a Trevor Zegris without the skating speed or the or or the agility of a Trevor Zegris. And Stramel is just an exaggerated version of that. But on top of that, the skill set doesn't scream high end to me either. But Minnesota knows what they're doing with prospects as well. So again, this is another prospect I could be very, very wrong about and who could develop into a really good player. I'm just maybe missing something. We'll see how this goes. But I'm sure Wisconsin being as as train wrecky as they were played into his projections. So uh, I'll keep a close eye. They've had some coaching changes and all that. So it's looking a bit promising. Next year, I think we'll tell us a lot more about who Charlie Stramo really is versus what we saw this year.
1: Well, like all the players on this list, time is, is the ultimate judge. Yeah. And I guess we'll all just have to wait and see who's right and who's wrong and, and let, let time sort it out. That's sure. all the players we got here, Hattie. I really appreciate your time. And so everybody, if you really enjoy listening to Hattie on the podcast, he knows the stuff talking about prospects.
2: He's got his own show. Tell us about your podcast, Hattie. Absolutely. So it's a Locked On NHL Prospects podcast. I host it with Sebastian High, who's the head scout of the Dobber Prospects scouting team. So we both work in tandem in terms of bringing you some prospect content. It's going to be five days a week starting in September. Right now it's three a week since we're in the summertime. But yeah, five days a week of prospect content. It's a lot of content and it's it's really good. We got have a, a lot of very engaged conversations. We have Mailback Mondays, all that stuff. You can find it on YouTube, Spotify, Odyssey, basically anywhere you find your podcast. You can find the Locked on NHL Prospects podcast. Yeah, give us a look. Five days a week, man. And yeah. that's, I I thought we were putting
1: in the hours here. Victor doing a <laughs> show every week. Five days a week. Yep. Can you it's, imagine?
2: It's worth it, though. It's really fun.
1: All the, all the juices you can squeeze out of Prospects. You're getting on the Locked On <laughs> show with Patty and Sebastian. That's right. And you're also on Twitter. What's or X, whatever we're calling it these days.
2: What's your handle there, man? Let's just call it Twitter. It's Hattie K underscore scouting. So H-A-D-I-K underscore scouting. Everything I... Posts, all the videos, all the scouting reports, all the rankings, and even the podcast episodes, all go there. So one stop shop if you want to check it out. Kalakashi, everybody, he is the director of North American scouting
1: on the the team at Dauber. Works in tandem with Sebastian, like he said. puts in He puts in the hours, puts in the work, and he knows what he's talking about. So I really appreciate you coming on the show. for some time today, Hadi. Thanks a lot. Absolutely,
2: Andy. thanks for having me on.
1: All right, so that wraps up Dauber Prospects Report number 19, Fantasy Ranking the Draft Prospects from 2023 with Hattie Kalakashi. Thanks very much again, Hattie, for coming on. Really appreciate your time and your insight. For feedback on the show, or if you want to chat with us, follow us on Twitter, or X, at DPR underscore show, at Farling, at Victor Nuno 12 and at Sabarin91 is where you can find us on Twitter. Don't forget to follow HockeyPodNet and all the great podcasts on the network they have. there. There's some really good shows besides ours. Sign up for free Fantrax League using our promo link, fantrax.com forward slash DPR show. They'll manage your league for you for free and you won't regret it. Please subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or the podcast aggregator of your choice. Leave us that five-star review. It really helps the show. We appreciate it. Thanks very much for listening, everyone. Enjoy your dynasty drafts and keep your sticks on the ice. Looked really good on draft day. But then when you get to November, it's what's happening here. This isn't going the way I thought it would.
2: Let's do that hockey.